Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself wrap up our discussion on the Sixth Commandment. We start this episode, we have a special message from Jason. Yeah, a word from our sponsor. A word right? from our sponsor. Vocation, is it a word from our sponsor? <laughs> Vocation. Is that the, the word of the day, like Sesame Street? The, the word of the entire podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's my congregation has learned from me that if I answer, in, or if I ask an open-ended question, the answer is either assurance of salvation or vocation. Every it's not Jesus? Time. Yeah, well, <laughs> Jesus, I, I let them off the hook and I say that because they get scared to say that too for whatever reason because mm-hmm. of the typical Sunday school answer. What's that joke uh, where the teacher uh, shows a picture of a squirrel? Uh, and, mm-hmm. the, and the kid goes, well, that looks like a squirrel, but I think the answer is Jesus. <laughs> you know, something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for being here, guys, Brian, Jason, and uh, I am Brett. If you don't know who we are by now, no. we're past 30 episodes, though, right? Is that the... Yeah, we're north of 30. Yes. We're, we're marching our way to... Uh, Seniority in the the podcasting. Should we start families? singing? If you don't know me by now, you'll know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's you know for those of us, for those of you who have been with us for the long haul, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as we have. I'm having a lot of fun, and we're mm-hmm. only on the sixth commandment still. Yes, uh, we still have the creeds to, or the the apostles' creed to go through. We still have the seven petitions of the Lord's prayer uh, and the sacraments and. Uh, table of duties which is vocation right. and then that's just the first two documents so if you're listening like 10 years from now you have a lot of binge listening yeah, to go well we'll probably <laughs> 10 years from now we'll probably almost be done with the oxford confession and apology <laughs> uh, we'll see about that <laughs> well we are talking today about the sixth commandment and uh, we have done the last episode on prohibiting we looked at the story of david and bathsheba and how God graciously uh, convicted, of him, can, convicted him of sin. And that, maybe that sounds a little bit funny to say graciously convicted. No. Oh, no. Uh, but, gracious. Um, <clears throat> but anyhow, yeah, we saw how God led him to repentance and how he took away his sin. And, yeah, and in forbidding adultery and lust, what we mm-hmm. really wanted to look at is the work of the law in mm-hmm. our lives. Again, to avoid... Uh, and it seems in Christianity today, because, as we mentioned in the first episode on the Sixth Commandment, because of the epidemic of pornography mm-hmm. and the, the sexualization of culture around us in every area, music, TV, movies, every area of, uh, of entertainment, uh, that really the purity has become almost an idol in the church rather than uh, a reflection of God's will sure. and God's character. And so... That was something I was going to ask last episode that I didn't was... Do you guys, when people talk about sin or when people think about sin, do you feel like this is a commandment that they think of the most of, that that's the sin that... I think a lot of young you're, men do. Sure. I do. I, I really think that there's a lot of young men. It, it, we're in such a, um, can I say, sex-saturated society. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. It's uh, things that are happening on regular primetime TV would have never happened. And I don't want to sound like an old person, which I probably am, but that's you okay. You are old. I am. I am. But you know what? It's, um, I think so. I think yeah. that would be, uh, that, that when young men come to me anywhere from, you know, 13 all the way, even up to, to 30, 
I, I agree. I think that that's mm-hmm. what they're thinking of. And I think a lot of times, and you had brought this up in the mm-hmm. last episode, that they'll read Matthew 5, mm-hmm. where Jesus is saying that if you even look at a woman, you've committed lust in your heart. And they just like, they think about that, or they take that in a moralistic way, not fully understanding that Jesus is revealing that, hey, you can't live the law, mm-hmm. don't try, abide in me, in our language that we're using, it's taken from John chapter 15, and he provides this wonderful nourishment, spiritual nourishment, as we abide in Christ. It's his righteousness that leads us to fruit, biblical fruit, that cleanses us from those things. Not only um, from the total forgiveness of sins, but then leads us to a place where then resistance in his strength is then possible. Mm -hmm. And the heart of this entire study, uh, along with that, is to absolutely identify the boundaries God has laid out for us to identify specific sins that are to be condemned and repented of, but but also to kind of focus on this searing of the conscience that mm-hmm. happens in society. I mean, you, you brought up the, the sexualized culture we have now. I mean, all of us were, were alive at a time when MTV <laughs> refused to air Michael Jackson's black or white uh, music video because of the scene where he destroys the car with the baseball bat. It was too violent. Well, and, and now well. there isn't anything MTV won't air as long as it can, they can slip it by the, the FCC. Uh, and so the, the searing of the conscience, not to make it light of a, an actual thing, uh, especially in these areas of habitual, or, or we, we touched on just briefly last week, uh, addictive sins mm-hmm. are, is a real issue that, that we ought right. to be talking we, about in the church. We just grow numb to it. It's yep. almost like that right. whole analogy of having a, a frog in, in warm water that you're heating up slowly. Mm-hmm. They don't really know that they're in danger of, yep. of being killed. And there's, we do, we become numb and calloused to these things. Our heart, our conscience becomes seared, as you say. And, um, you know, God always talked about, do not harden your heart. Yep. You know, hear, hear the word of the Lord. Today, if you hear my voice, do yep. not harden your heart. And, and Luther's goal in identifying everything in the catechisms, especially this law-gospel relationship, is to be living a life of repentance. We, you know, even habitual sins that we're constantly repenting mm-hmm. of run the risk of, of searing our conscience to the point where we're just not experiencing sorrow over things that we struggle against on a daily basis like we used to, which is why that study of Nathan in that, that the story of the lamb, uh, it was so powerful because he did the thing that got to David's conscience. Mm-hmm. He, he, he pricked the conscience, uh, he laid out the consequences for the sin, and then he forgave the sin. And that's looking at how the law is functioning in our lives as we love God, as we love our neighbors, is key to understanding uh, what each one of these commandments means in our lives so that we can avoid purity becoming an idol, and we can talk about real purity in the Christian life. We can avoid talking about victory over sin as avoiding the committing of sins, and we can talk about victory over sin in Jesus Christ, but still the call of the law for us to be holy before our neighbor as God has declared us holy before Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, Are you talking about the third use of the law? Uh, I'm talking about the third function of the, the law. third function, there yes. There we go. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's the thing. It, once God takes away our sin and once his spirit begins to work in us through his word, we begin to want to obey or wa- want to, and, and I know you said we don't try, but in a sense we are wanting to to serve and 
in in the newness of of the Spirit of God working in us, even if it's imperfect. And I think that kind of brings us right into what we're talking about in this episode of uh, what what's the passage of Scripture we're looking at, Jason, as we well, begin. We've got some setup here to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're talking about promoting. What is the uh, sixth commandment? Promoting. Uh, we talked about in the original episode, the sixth commandment is promoting families. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely promoting purity and integrity. And, you know, there's a lot of passages we have at our disposal. We, we considered doing a study on Ephesians 5, the last part of Ephesians 5, where Christ loves the church as husbands ought to love their wives, you know, that, that whole dynamic. And uh, that's a great passage to talk about the interaction of the sixth commandment. We talk, we talk, we could talk about is it John eight, the mm-hmm. the woman caught in adultery, uh, where Jesus says that he who is without sin cast the first stones, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's tons of application for that. But where we're really gonna go for our Bible study in this is Matthew four. 1 through 11, the temptation of Christ. And we would remember uh, what we said all the way back again in the, the original episode talking about the Sixth Commandment from the Catechisms is that part of obeying the Sixth Commandment is uh, exercised in the resisting of temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is so much to unpack, not from the advice we have to resist temptation, the encouragement we have to resist temptation, which is all over Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the New Testament yep. for us, yep. but... Christ resisting temptation, uh, where he serves as an example, yes, but especially here in Matthew 4, he's serving as a substitute, and that is wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, right away, when you think about resisting temptation, at least for me anyway, I'm thinking of how I haven't resisted mm-hmm. temptation. Well, and, and we're such sinners that we, we've trained ourselves now to think that the temptation itself is a sin. You know, and, and we would do well to remember Christ was tempted. He was sure. tempted here yeah, in the desert. Right. Uh, we, you know, he was tempted in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. you know, crying out to God, if, if your will, let this cup pass from me, sure. uh, but not my will, but your will be done. Uh, and so we know as Christ was perfectly sinless that temptation itself right. is not sin. Right, and, and it's like going back to David and Bathsheba, it's not as if, David stumbling upon seeing Bathsheba that that first glance it's not I'm guessing that he didn't ask for it and we don't know exactly for sure but usually in it seems like in cases like that we don't ask for a, an image or or something to come before us a, a, a temptation in a sense well in, in talking about temptation resisting temptation is at, at a baseline level we're acknowledging that we have enemies mm-hmm. uh, sin uh, sin uh, the world and our sinful flesh uh, those mm-hmm. are the or the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, sorry, mm-hmm. are our three enemies uh, in our faith. And so the devil is constantly out there prowling around like a roaring lion looking for mm-hmm. someone to devour. Yep. Uh, he's tempting as he tempted Job to curse God. Uh, the world is constantly tempting us to sin, to either fall in line with them or to mock us. And in our weakness, you know, how many celebrities out there in the last 20 years have publicly... You know, say, I'm abandoning my faith and I'm going this way. You know, that's as generic as I can make it. And mm-hmm. that's all I want to talk about that. Uh, but also recognizing, you know, as we saw with David and Bathsheba, that our sinful nature, our original sin, is tempting us to indulge in that sin constantly. Mm-hmm. That we, uh, in, a, in our sinfulness, delight in the release mm-hmm. of committing that sin, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that sin might be. Right. 
And we haven't mentioned it, I don't think, in, in talking about the, the Sixth Commandment is, you think of the story of Joseph as well and mm-hmm. Potiphar's wife. He is a single guy. You know, we haven't yeah. brought in singleness here, but uh, how he was able to resist temptation in the power of God's Spirit there. And temptation in the extreme in that he fled naked from a house mm-hmm. rather than uh, succumb to temptation. And so there's that example. And two, you bring up a good thing uh, that uh, in talking about God promoting marriage, it's not to say that he abandons or he belittles the single person, especially Mm -hmm. the single person who wants to be married. Uh, You know, God knows those struggles and he honors uh, that. He's with you, caring for you and providing for you. And uh, so we don't want to ignore that or or pass over that without Mm -hmm. touching on either. Yep. Um, As we apply... Um, this text of the temptation of Christ to this commandment. Um, A natural question that might arise is like, well, was Jesus tempted sexually? And how can we apply this text to this commandment? How does that? I'm uncomfortable going down that road because we don't have even an illusion in scripture. Uh, What better is to say Jesus was tempted Mm -hmm. and he was tempted in ways that were tempting to him. I mean, I have friends uh, who aren't tempted in certain ways that I might be tempted in. It's different temptations for different people. Uh, the, the, what we ought to be recognizing is as far as temptation comes from Satan, mm-hmm. which he has a vested interest in tempting us and destroying our faith, uh, he will tempt us in the way that we are probably the weakest. Um, is it in Hebrews where it says he's, he was tempted in, no in every way? In every way, yeah. And yet without sin? Yeah. I suppose you could include Yeah, that would that. be a, a loose application sure. to your question there. But again, it's without a, a specific instance, let's it's go not, to the place where the specifics are to, revealed. Yeah. Sure, to dwell right. on that. Well, should we read the passage now yeah. that we've taken up three quarters of the episode setting it up? We're getting used to doing that, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, I will read the text for us. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Here ends God's reading. Amen. 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 So what we have here is just a delightful sort of thing. We do indeed want to acknowledge that Jesus is serving as an example Mm -hmm. in resisting temptation. And as that example, the principle we ought to be paying attention to is that Jesus returned to the word of God. He he returned to the source Mm -hmm. of truth 
to counteract the lies of mm-hmm. the devil, the lies of temptation. Now, it is it good is to consider that the passage is not here primarily for Jesus to serve as our example. The passage mm-hmm. primarily here is for Jesus to serve as our substitute. That it is Jesus, part of his, him living that perfect life. It is part of him living that perfect life. It, 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 the, the first step is making sure we do not separate the baptism of Jesus at the end of Matthew chapter 3 with this passage. The two events are intimately connected. Mm -hmm. And that's the first connection we have to make to understand what's going on here. Uh, The second thing that we need to unpack is that uh, Jesus, in these three temptations uh, that Satan has thrown at him, is systematically reversing the failure of Adam, uh, Adam and Eve, in the temptation in the garden. Uh, And so Jesus serving as our substitute, where Adam, and in Adam we have all failed, Mm-hmm. and have all fallen into temptation. In Christ, uh, where Jesus has redeemed us, uh, he has perfectly obeyed God and perfectly resisted temptation. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. And, and this is one of the most pleasant and perfect examples in all of Scripture where the application of that verse mm-hmm. uh, is really laid out for us delightfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking then at the first part of Matthew 4, the first temptation... Uh, that Jesus experiences is this bread temptation. He's been fasting in the the, uh, wilderness for 40 days. But where the temptation really happens, uh, and especially in connection with Genesis 3, is Satan's tactic of saying, if you are Mm -hmm. the son of God. If you go back to Genesis 3, uh, first thing uh, that Satan says to Eve, and Adam is there with her, we know that. First thing Satan says to Adam and Eve is, did God actually say? Mm -hmm. Did God really say? And that goes back to the baptism of Jesus. God's testimony about Jesus Christ as he's baptized is, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So you have the truth of God. In one case, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. In the second case here, God says, you are the son of God. This is the truth. Satan comes, did God say? And Jesus says, yes, God said. And so the temptation to fall into this thing with food is kind of a cursory temptation to the actuality in Satan trying to get Jesus and then principally carry to us to question God's word. And this is the heart of sin, is idolatry replacing God's truth with some other truth that is convenient for us. Mm-hmm. So does this, yeah, I'm trying to, when we're thinking about this as, Jesus as our example, this kind of presupposes that we know Scripture to a certain extent where the Spirit and pull that up into our minds in that moment of temptation to say, like if you were David hypothetically on the roof and boom, there's Bathsheba. Should be boom, thou shalt not commit adultery. So you would say, close your eyes. David would say, it is written, you shall not commit it. (laughs) I'm just trying to think of it through in that way. You know, yes, Christ is our example, but the one thing we don't want to do is have this subtle hint of adoptionism, Mm -hmm. like those WWJD bracelets, you know, what would Jesus do? But that's the wrong question because Jesus was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. What he was doing was very unique to his ministry. Yes, he gave us examples and he lived a selfless, sacrificial life Mm -hmm. uh, that taught us. Paul says this in Philippians chapter two. But the better question to ask is what would Jesus have me do? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what did Jesus do in, in looking at, well, he died on our on the cross for our sins mm-hmm. principally too that way. Mm-hmm. But but looking at this, it's not that mm-hmm. there's a, a proof text for every lie, but the, the principle here is Jesus is our example. And also as he's stepping into Adam's mm-hmm. shoes and not screwing things up. Uh, is that he combated lies with truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we ask ourselves the question, and we're talking about adultery, the temptation to lust, what's the lie? Mm-hmm. Is that in acting out on that lust, you're going to be gratified. Right. And, and the truth would be, I, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is, and I don't think my wife is listening to this, but yeah, <laughs> Teresa maybe should... Uh, listen to this episode, but anyhow, love that verse. It says, "Enjoy the wife of your youth," oh. and uh, God gives you. If you're a married, God gives you your spouse uh, for, as you mentioned, one of the two purposes of marriage is just for your enjoyment, yeah. that, and that delightful intimacy yep. that comes. And yep. so, I don't know. I've I found in, in my life in resisting this sort of temptation, um, enjoying what God has given me is very powerful in terms of avoiding, I mean, to a certain extent, but um, it, it, it is helpful to consider. Well, and again, we'll, we'll go down to that next level of things that tempt us. It's the world. Is The world misunderstands, misquotes, misappropriates Christian doctrine as saying you shall not have sex. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's constantly, the, the, the sexual liberation movement is constantly railing against the church in this aspect, our... our or prudishness, or, or whatever mm-hmm. the word you want. And, and no, that's not the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word is that sexual intimacy yeah. uh, under the sixth commandment is prescribed in a, a protected, hedged-off area of life, and that's with one spouse, yeah. you know, your husband or your wife, uh, uh, in the bonds of marriage that is blessed and ordained by God. Uh, and so that's the truth. And mm-hmm. so, you know, temptation, we can go down the line of any of the commandments yeah. or any of the laws given, but insofar that this is a discussion on the sixth commandment, uh, what is the lie of Satan and did God actually say? God didn't say, thou shalt not have sex. Thou shalt have sex in a prescribed relationship, mm-hmm. in a marriage relationship. And so this is how Jesus answers the lie of Satan. And in, in this case, if you are the son of God, Satan's trying to get him to prove it in a sinful way by by gratifying his hunger after mm-hmm. fasting for 40 days and creating bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, this is, and I'm going to go there and you guys can mock me or do your ding. This is our vocation. What allows us to, <laughs> vocation. What allows us to live for our neighbor sacrificially is the knowledge that God indeed has provided everything we need for eternity. Mm-hmm. And what is the life that matters to mm-hmm. us? It is the life of eternity in fellowship with God in perfection and holiness and righteousness, free from pain, suffering, and sin. And you bring up a good point because obviously Jesus was hungry, and as the devil tempted him with food, he avoided self-gratification mm-hmm. for obedience to God again to save us. Yeah, to save us. And yeah. again, it's pointing to Christ in this, yeah. and this is yeah. why it's, it's good but dangerous to view Christ primarily as example. Exactly. And that's what I mean about, you know, Mm -hmm. subtle adoptionism. Then Jesus becomes the first Christian. Jesus isn't the first Christian. He can't be the first Christian. Mm -hmm. He is Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of the world. And so we got to be careful with looking at Jesus as our example. Scripture says that, and we do that, but he is so much more. Mm -hmm. 
And, yeah, and so, I mean, we want to move on here because we're already a little bit over time, but this is such a rich text. The second temptation uh, that Jesus addresses from Adam and Eve's is, uh, Satan says, you shall not surely die. And how does he tempt Jesus here is to take, you know, go up to the pinnacle of the temple and throw yourself down. If you're the son of God, God's going to protect you uh, so that he can carry out his plan of salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the thing. It's the lie of Satan that we're looking at, not not necessarily the specificity. And, and so, uh, you know, Satan goes to Adam and Eve. It's just fruit. In, in the joke I always tell, let's face it. When we think about the fruit Adam and Eve ate, it's always an apple, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, but it's just an apple. Take a bite. You're not going to die. And then what happens is Eve took a bite and guess what? She didn't fall over dead, but she died spiritually. Mm -hmm. This is the same sort of thing. Jesus is not going to die, and it's not because God is going to protect him in in every way willy-nilly. Jesus isn't going to die because God has promised to be faithful to his son. That's the relationship of the Trinity there. And so Jesus again succeeds where Adam and Eve failed, Mm -hmm. and they made an idol because they didn't trust God. They, mm-hmm. they accu- this is blasphemy here, accusing God of lying in their sin. And then the third temptation, and then I'll let you jump in here, Brian, is that uh, you will be like God. Mm-hmm. You will be like God. And Satan offers worship, uh, or he offers the glory of worship, being mm-hmm. ruler over the earth, which, by the way, Jesus already is ruler over all of creation, yeah. uh, for a, a temporary lapse in you know, his mission, or whatever mm-hmm. you would want to call it that way, uh, of salvation, of redemption. And, and so you, you see the way you know, Satan goes to Adam and Eve, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, but everything else collapses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing would happen for Jesus, but he succeeds. Yeah, and this is the recapitulation aspect of his atoning sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's a beautiful thing. And Paul talked about that. You had mm-hmm. quoted that, that through one man, sin and death entered the world, and through another man, life and eternal life in Christ Jesus. But he becomes our source. And that's the the beautiful thing. And I know we can, I kind of keep bringing us back to John 15, but I think it's a beautiful picture that as we are the branches and Christ is divine, our spiritual sustenance, our strength, mm-hmm. our righteousness, all of who we are in Christ Jesus comes from him and him alone. Mm-hmm. And this is the flip side of the coin that we talked about last week. And this is probably a good spot to wrap it up so we don't get into another theological treatise here. <laughs> last week, we talked about the power of forgiveness, that your sin is actually forgiven. It's actually dealt with. And so yep. God, uh, because of the blood of Christ, stoops down and the verdict against your sin is not guilty because your sin is Christ's sin. It doesn't stop there because the other part of that verdict is God stoops down, looks at you, and he declares you righteous. And he declares you righteous because Jesus has been righteous instead of you. And so you have this great exchange on the cross as Jesus hangs there where Jesus takes all of your sin Mm -hmm. and he makes it his own sin and then he's punished for that sin and he gives you all of his perfect righteousness, these places where he hasn't committed sin, where he hasn't fallen to temptation, where he's taken the law and he's loved God and he's loved his nature, all that's you. So now God sees you and he sees Jesus in your place. You are righteous. You are also forgiven, but you are simultaneously righteous. You are declared mm-hmm. to have fulfilled the law. And that's why understanding what's going on in the temptation of Christ here in Matthew 4 is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're clothed Amen. in Christ's righteousness. Amen.
I think a, a great way to end this would be reading Hebrews chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. And so just to end that, the message here under the sixth commandment is you who have suffered under the, the abuse of this temptation, mm-hmm. you have suffered under the, the habitual sins that the, the nature of lust yeah. uh, and adultery come, the message here is that you are forgiven. Yeah. Jesus knows your struggles. He knows what you've been through. He cares and he is your savior. He has given you access to the Father to find grace and mercy. Cry, cry out in Amen. repentance. What, what you could not do, he has done. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com and invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion about the Lutheran Confessions. God bless you and have a great week.